open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 9. I could preach from one of these stools like a cool pastor. I'm a little too jumpy to do that, though. So, I love, love hearing how God is calling Ryan and Sarah and how they are, are obeying God's call. They are going, and that is a tough call. And I believe that although God may not be calling you to go to Papua New Guinea, he is calling you somewhere. I believe with all my heart um, that every person in this room, God is calling you to something today. So we're gonna take a look today in Acts chapter nine at how God called a man named Saul and how that relates to how God may be calling us as well. Uh, we're gonna look at the climactic moment in Saul's life. And we gotta understand a little bit about Saul. Saul was this passionate Jew. And specifically, he was passionate about defending the Jewish faith from heretics. Heretics, he thought, like this guy named Jesus. This guy named Jesus who came and who claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be the Messiah, the promised rescuer king of Israel. But Saul was pretty sure that when they killed Jesus, that meant those claims were false. But for some reason, they just couldn't get rid of Jesus's followers. These Jesus followers just wouldn't go away. And so Saul made it his personal mission to eradicate the world of these pesky Jesus followers. We've seen Saul a couple times already in the book of Acts. We've seen him uh, approving of the murder of the first Christian martyr, the murder of a guy named Steve Stephen. And then in the very last chapter, the last chapter we were in, Acts chapter eight, we saw Saul there persecuting the Christians in Jerusalem, so much so that the Christians in Jerusalem had to flee. They scattered all over the land to get away with the persecution. Uh, but, but Saul wasn't satisfied there. He wasn't just worried about Jerusalem. Saul made it his mission to go wherever the Christians went and drag them back to Jerusalem and bring them to justice. And so we come to Acts chapter nine today, verses one and two. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, that's an early name for Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul is going heretic hunting. He's gonna go bag himself some Christians and he's on his way to Damascus to do it. That was about a week's journey. And right at the end of the journey, as Saul's getting up to Damascus, all of a sudden something happens and God turns Saul's life upside down. Look at verses three through nine. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So here is Saul. He's nearing Damascus. He's a man on a mission. It's about noon when all of a sudden, the glory of God appears, a blazing light from heaven, brighter than the sun, and Saul falls to the ground because the Lord himself has appeared. And Saul's thinking, finally, Finally, maybe today is the day when I will get to see the face of God. And Saul looks up into the light, into the raging presence of God, and he sees the face of Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth? And in a moment, Saul's zeal turns to terror. His eagerness turns to shame. His anticipation turns to ruin. His boldness vanishes and horror sweeps over him. Because everything Saul thought he knew was gone. 
Could it be that Stephen the martyr was right? Could it be that Saul was on the wrong side of God's judgment? Could it be that Saul had chosen the wrong team? Could it be that the rumors of resurrection were true? Could it be that the God that Saul had served and studied for all of his life was not the God Saul thought he was? For once, Saul's all out of answers. And all that's left is a question. A question he should have asked a long time ago. Who are you, Lord? And the answer comes down from heaven with a thunderous crash. I am Jesus. And in that moment, Saul will never be the same. He is undone. It takes him three days before he can eat or drink or even see again. Three days before he can even begin to process the horror and the glory of this defining moment. This volcanic eruption of heavenly splendor. This tidal wave of true reality that has swept over him. Everything that Saul will do from here on out in his life will hinge on this thunderstorm of revelation, this vision, this encounter with the risen Jesus. Now, most of us won't have a Damascus Road experience quite like that, probably not anything quite that dramatic. We probably won't get struck to the ground with a lightning strike of the glory of Jesus. And yet... I believe that in each of our lives, there are moments when God speaks to you, when you encounter the risen Jesus, when God calls you. And I believe that for each person in this room today, God is calling you to something. And we see here in Acts chapter nine today that when God calls you, it won't be easy. When God calls you, it won't be easy. Because actually, Jesus calling Saul is only part of the story here. He calls another man, too, here in Acts chapter 9. Look at verses 10 through 15. It says, In Damascus, there was a man, or a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. So God calls Ananias too. Now, we don't know who Ananias is. We don't know where Ananias comes from. We don't know where he goes after this story. This little story is all we know about Ananias. We don't know very much about the guy. But what we do know is enough. We do know that Ananias was a follower of Jesus who knew how to listen for God's voice and respond in obedience. And following Jesus really is that simple. We like to overcomplicate it, but it really is that simple. Following Jesus means hearing God's voice and responding in obedience, even if it sounds crazy. Because when God calls you, it won't be easy. God is asking Ananias here to go meet up with a right-wing, nationalist, ultra-fanatical, hard-line, radically orthodox, terrorist, pharisaic Jew. Not exactly a cupcake. <laughs> He's asking Ananias to go meet up with the very guy who was on his way to Damascus to destroy Ananias and the other Christians. 
It's not exactly an easy call, and Ananias is understandably scared. He says, oh, Lord, I don't know if you remember, but this Saul guy's a pretty bad dude. His hobby is annihilating your people. But God says, go. And sometimes when God calls you, it might sound crazy. It's not going to be easy. It'll probably sound scary. I'm sure the Hardys have a long list of things that they are unsure of, that they are nervous about. Uh, last time I checked, a mosquito-infested village in Papua New Guinea isn't very high on the list of recommended places to raise two toddlers. <laughs> it's a tough call. But they heard God's voice, and they are obeying. They're going. So what is God calling you to? Maybe he is calling you to go into full-time ministry. Maybe he is calling you to go into missions. Maybe he's calling you to have a conversation with your unbelieving friend. Maybe he's calling you to take a leap of faith and to be baptized. I don't know what God is calling you to, but I do know that when he calls you, it won't be easy. It wasn't easy for Ananias. It also wasn't easy for Saul when God called him either. Psychologists measure the stress in a person's life in what's called life change units or LCUs. Basically, they determine how much life change a person has undergone during the last year, and they measure those events to determine how much stress a person is undergoing. Uh, various events are given, given, given different scores. For example, if you had trouble with your boss this last year, that's 20 life change units, 20 LCUs. Uh, if you had foreclosure, that's 30 LCUs. Pregnancy is 40 LCUs. Divorce is 73 LCUs, and so on and so forth. And it's said uh, that, that when a person reaches 300 LCUs in a year, their life is said to be officially in chaos, and they are at high risk of suffering from a stress-related illness. I took the test from the viewpoint of Saul to see how many life change units he accumulated during his conversion, keep in mind that 300 is chaos. He went through 458. This was not an easy call. God flipped Saul's life on its head, calling him to go proclaim the same good news that he was trying to squelch, to go tell it to difficult people in difficult places. And he said in this text that it would not be easy. God says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And sure enough, after Saul is baptized, he preaches his first sermon right there in Damascus. Now you might remember Pentecost when Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 people walked down the aisle and got baptized. But when Saul preaches his first sermon, the audience tries to kill him. I have high hopes that my sermon might go a little better than that today. <laughs> and then he, he has to escape the city and flee for his life by being lowered down in a basket from the city wall. The guy's literally a basket case. And Saul spends the rest of his life in and out of jail. He's flogged five times when even once kills some people. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned once. He was shipwrecked at least three times. He spent a day and a night floating in the open sea. He was constantly in danger from whoever it was that wanted him dead right then. And it was always somebody. And eventually Saul did die for his faith. You know, Jesus tells us that in this world we will have trouble. And Jesus tells us that the world's gonna hate his followers. And Jesus tells us that if we wanna follow him, we gotta take up a cross. Those are hard words. But they're just as true as any of his other words. Because when God calls you, it won't be easy. When God calls you, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it.
It will be worth it. Saul went on to answer God's call, and I'm really thankful that he did, because Saul became the greatest Christian missionary and theologian of all time. He traveled all over the world, planting churches and pastoring and speaking and debating and raising funds and distributing aid and mentoring and training leaders and writing. He wrote the 13 books of our New Testament. And ultimately, it was Saul's work in spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, taking the good news to the people who weren't Jews all over the empire. It was his work in doing that that let the gospel get to us today. We are here today, this morning, together, because Ananias heard God's voice and obeyed. And because Saul heard God's voice and obeyed. When God calls you, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Some of you this morning have something in the back of your mind that God's been convicting you of. It's gnawing at you. It won't go away. An opportunity he wants you to seize. Or a relationship he wants you to repair. Or a decision he wants you to make. And you've been putting it off for a while because it won't be easy. But I'm here today to tell you to answer the call because it will be worth it. Hundreds of years ago, Alexander the Great uh, was at the height of his power, conquering nation after nation on his quest for world dominance. And so the story goes, one day Alexander and his army were fighting a fierce battle and Alexander himself was, was at the front lines fighting And as the fighting grew more and more intense as the day went on, Alexander happened to look over to his side and see a young soldier from his army fighting alongside him. As the battle raged, the fighting grew more and more fierce until at the height of the battle, Alexander happened to look over and see fear on this young soldier's face. And he saw this young soldier at the climax of the battle turn around and run away like a coward. Well, Alexander's army went on to win that battle that day, and later that evening, Alexander the Great was back in camp in his tent. He sent one of his officers to go find that young soldier who'd fought beside him. The young man came, and he was understandably terrified as he came into Alexander the Great's tent. Alexander the Great was one of the fiercest and most powerful warriors who ever lived. Alexander the Great looked at him, and he said, Son, what's your name? The young soldier's eyes fell to the ground, and he muttered something under his breath. Alexander the Great asked him again, son, what is your name? Again, the young man stared at the ground, mumbling. Alexander the Great roared this time, your ruler is giving you a command. What is your name? The boy lifted his eyes. He said, Alexander, sir, My name is Alexander. And Alexander looked down at that young soldier, eyes blazing with fire in his voice. You either change your ways or change your name. And that is the call facing some of you today. Some of you need to change your ways. Because you go out into your life and you claim to be a Christian, a little Christ. You bear the name of Jesus on your chest. And yet you don't live like it. Some of you need to change your ways and be bold and have that conversation with that person you've been putting off. Some of you need to change your ways and be brave enough not to laugh at the things you know you shouldn't. Some of you need to change your ways and step up and be the kind of spouse and parent that puts another's needs above your own. Some of you need to change your ways and forgive the person who hurt you even though they don't deserve it. 
Some of you need to change your ways and be the kind of person who serves your coworkers instead of competing with them. You bear the name of Jesus, so change your ways. Others of you here today need to change your name. The title of this sermon is From Sinner to Saint because we believe the Holy Spirit wants to change your name. All throughout the pages of the New Testament, the believers are called saints. It's a little word that means holy ones. Now you might be thinking right now, yeah, right, I am the furthest thing from a saint. And you're right. (laughs) On your own, you're a sinner. You're hopeless, just like me. But when you believe in the risen Jesus and you are baptized into him, he makes you a saint. He makes you holy. Jesus wants to change your name from sinner to saint. He changed Saul's name from terrorist to evangelist, from opponent to apostle, from persecutor to preacher, from Saul to Paul. God called Saul and he told Saul to go preach to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. And so he did. And as Saul answered that call, he decided to go by Paul instead, the Greek version of his name. And so the apostle Paul writes about this conversion experience and how it applies to us in 1 Timothy chapter one. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for you as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In other words, this conversion happened to Saul, a terrorist, the least likely person on earth to become a Christian. This happened to him so that you would know that Jesus wants to change your name from sinner to saint. He wants to change your name from enslaved to free. He wants to change your name from forgotten to remembered. He wants to change your name from lost to found. He wants to change your name from abandoned to adopted. He wants to change your name from dead to alive. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus wants to change your name from sinner to saint. So if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, to believe in the death of Jesus on your behalf, to believe that God then raised him from the dead, and to ask that he would save you and be the king of your life, if you've not made that decision, then make it. Don't put it off. Come talk to us. Come talk to us today. Be made new in baptism. We can baptize you today. Or next Sunday, our baptism Sunday. We've been praying for that for a long time, and I'm praying that those of you in this room who have not made that decision to be baptized would come and would commit to following Jesus, that Jesus would change your name from sinner to saint. I don't know what Jesus is calling you to do, but I do know that it won't be easy, but that it will be worth it. Jesus wants to change your name from sinner to saint. I'll close today with the words that Ananias spoke to Saul in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now... What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. I want us to become people like Ananias, people like Saul, 
People who listen to God's voice, who hear him speak and respond in obedience. I believe that God is calling you to something today, but I won't presume to know what that thing is. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna take about two minutes and we're just gonna be silent. And I want you to ask God to tell you what he's calling you to. And then I want you to obey. Father, give us ears to hear. Speak to us. Call us. Father, we want to be people who hear your voice. We want to be people who listen well to you. And so I ask for each of us that you would speak to us, make it very clear what you are calling us to, and give us the courage to obey. Call us, and we will follow. If you call us to come, we will come. If you call us to go, we will go. In Jesus' name, amen.